On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go into Boston and stun the Celtics, coming back from 13 points down in the fourth quarter behind a, an explosion from Trey Young. We'll get into all of how it happened, what's to come in Game 6, and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1460 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. Create an account with Game Time and use the promo code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I also want to tell you at the top of the podcast, if you're a new listener and otherwise, make your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you get your podcasts. And today's show is quite obviously going to be breaking down what became a monumental win for the Hawks on the road in Boston game five 119 to 117 the Hawks had lost six straight games in Boston they went into the game as 13 and a half point underdogs according to our friends at FanDuel and without DeJounte Murray who was suspended for game five after an altercation with an official at the end of game four the vast majority of people assumed the Hawks were done at this point in time and the series was over game five would be the end and it'd be Cancun time for Atlanta then they were down 13 points with six minutes to go. And from there, John Collins scored seven of the next nine points for Atlanta. And then Trey Young, the hero of the night, scored the final 14 points for Atlanta, a 23-8 to run to close the game for the Hawks after being down by 13 to win it. And the game winner by Trey Young over Jalen Brown. Uh, Trey was masterful down the stretch. We'll talk about him much more later on in the podcast, but just a fantastic, resilient performance from the Hawks in a lot of ways. They could have rolled over multiple times. A lot of teams would have, and I've credited the Hawks throughout throughout the series for not rolling over. Game one, even, when they played not very well. Game two, same thing. The Hawks never rolled over in those games, and I think with Quinn Snyder on the bench, a lot of credit goes to him and to the whole roster for just not packing it in. And Again, down 13 points as a huge underdog on the road, six minutes to go. You are not supposed to be able to come back and win that game, and the Hawks went out and did it. So a lot of credit to Trey, a lot of credit across the board to be given out. And as always, if you're newest to the podcast, what I do on the show is give you some broad takeaways at the top of the podcast. And in the middle, we'll go through kind of how this game unfolded from top to bottom. And at the end of the podcast, my player-by-player evaluations. But I will get into the defense and the offense and the numbers and the analysis in a second. But I have to start again with Trey. I am not a big narrative guy. I think everyday listeners to the show will definitely acknowledge that. But what a night for Trey Young in a lot of ways. Not only did he have the huge numbers, 38 points, 13 assists. Again, scored the final 14 points. He hit haymaker after haymaker down the stretch, quieted a lot of the doubters that have been out there about him in recent days. Per Elias Sports, he's only the fifth player in the last, I think, like 30-plus years to score the team's final 14 points or more in a playoff game. That is obviously rarefied error. It is one game. Yes, it's one game. But he's been really good in this series since the first two games. First two games, didn't play great in Boston. He played very well in Atlanta. He was awesome tonight. And I think for a while now I've been saying – I think he's underrated, even in the big picture, all of the kind of stuff about Trey. Like, no matter where you sit on it, I think he's gotten a little bit too much heat at times this year. And to, but to do this without DeJounte Murray, his partner in crime in the backcourt, and again, down 13 points in the fourth quarter on the road in a closeout game potentially, which is unbelievable. I hope people can kind of, kind of recognize that, the star power, the star shots that he made at the end of the game, and a very impressive night for Trey and everybody else. To the rest of the game now, of course, I did a show you might have listened to yesterday or watched yesterday 
with my friend Westmore at Peachtree Hoops. And we, we did not pick the Hawks to win the game. That would have been uh, aggressive as 13 point, 13 and a half point underdogs in the game. But we did lay out how it would happen if the Hawks were able to go into Boston and win this game. We definitely said basically that the Hawks had a better chance to win than many people were actually giving them just because it's a one game sample size. The Hawks had real upside when they had it going, all those things. And the formula for the Hawks winning, we thought yesterday, was basically to treat this game like an elimination game. Yes, without DeJounte, they, you kind of just have to hope to have a huge game from Trey, which obviously happened. You, take, you have to take a ton of threes. That happened. Make a ton of threes. That happened. Play guys a lot of minutes and just kind of push really hard. That happened. And then also hope that Boston does not shoot the ball well. And from three-point range, they didn't shoot the ball well in this game. So across the board, that basically all unfolded. And yeah, it took all of that to win a game by two points. But it all happened. So the Hawks did their jobs in this game. Again, resiliency, making threes, um, some defensive moments that were positive. Not always great along the way, but uh, just enough to go over the finish line. And offense was definitely awesome for the Hawks. A 123 offensive rating in the game. You cannot ask for much more than that. In any context, especially against a great defense on the road like Boston's. And aside from Trey's individual stuff, the huge part of the offense was the three-point shooting. Again, 19 of 41 for three-point range for Atlanta. That ties a season high in makes with 19 and also the second most attempts of the season, only trailing game two of this series. In fact, the Hawks never attempted more than this 41 shots in three-point range the entire regular season. So they've been taking more generally in this series, which is smart in my mind. And Snyder does like to push three-pointers, but the Hawks – had to have this. I was not, there was one of the things that we sort of drove home ad nauseum on yesterday's show is that they had to take a lot of threes and they had to make a lot of threes to have a chance to win. And that happened. And it wasn't just Trey. Trey didn't like have this incredibly prolific three-point shooting game. He was five of 13. That's a very normal game for Trey. But the other guys, the supporting pieces made shots and they had to in this one. They didn't shoot that well inside the arc as a team. They didn't do that much on the glass as a team. Only 10 shots at the free throw line as a team. Oh, they made all 10, and that was crucial because Boston was 7 of 13 at the free throw line. That's one sneaky thing that actually happened, happened in this game that was kind of utter disgust is that you know Jalen Brown was 1 of 5 at the line and again, the finish with, with a two-point margin. A little bit of a small thing there, but still, that actually matters. But the Hawks did pass the ball very well, 31 assists and 9 turnovers. That's a fantastic ratio that you will always take. And we'll come back to it later on, but it was a nice bounce back from John Collins with 22 points, including seven in the big run late in the game. They had, the Hawks had five guys in double figures with at least 12 points. Akongo um, had nine. Good balance. You know, Obviously, Trey was the standout, but a lot of helpful performances along the way for Atlanta, and it was a really good offensive showing from top to bottom. Defensively, it was not as good, and that's why I live with the offense. Not everything is hugely positive in this game, but defensively, it was enough. They allowed about a 119 defensive rating in the game. Boston had 60 points in the paint. And they shot well over 60% on twos. The perimeter stuff was a mess for the Hawks this game. It has been throughout the playoffs, throughout the whole season, quite honestly. I've been talking about it ad nauseum for months and months and months. And it was a problem in this game. There were multiple guys getting blown by a lot on the perimeter. But the big thing is Boston finally went cold from three. And they were kind of due for it. We talked about that with West Chester on the show as well. Not, not even Boston can be this good from three-point range every single game. And tonight they were 12-38. That isn't even terrible. Like they shot 32% from three. That's a very normal number for a lot of teams. But for Boston, that's a bad night. Tatum was brutal for Atlanta, for Boston, I should say. One of 10 from three, a couple of bad turnovers from Tatum. He wasn't like, he was still a useful player. Obviously, he's a very good player, but he was not good for his standards in this game. And aside from Jalen Brown, who was very good, they didn't have any like huge standout performances from Boston. That was very helpful. The Hawks didn't force a lot of turnovers in this game, only nine, but they were better in, tra in transition in the second half, of, in the second half of the game. They, they did allow 20. Fast break points before halftime, that is a very bad number, but only four in the second half. So 
All told, they held they held the Celtics down to 51 points after halftime. That's a very solid number. They were better. There, there was some help for sure from Boston. They were more attentive. Um, the bigs in particular, I thought Collins and Okongwu did a good job in this one. Um, I thought that Trey was pretty spark, kind of, uh, I don't know, not fantastic defensively, but kind of spunky and being in the way in this game. Hunter got better as the game went along. Um, you know, everybody kind of contributed along the way. So we'll leave it there for now. But just to kind of say so one more time before we get into sort of the game flow of this contest, the Hawks didn't lead for basically half the game. They It was kind of nip and tuck early on. They took a lead finally at the end of the fourth quarter after not leading since the middle of the second quarter. And to go ahead and do that on the road, yes, there are two, two more chances for Boston in this series. Yes, Boston's still the big betting favorite and to win the series. But for the Hawks to do this, it does, it does kind of give them sort of a proof of concept in some ways. You know, when I want to overstate it. It's only one game, but a lot of excitement, justifiably so, when you can go ahead and do this without DeJounte. Again, without, without their, their number two option in a lot of different ways, to go ahead and do this and erase that deficit was monumental for the Hawks, and we'll get into how it all happened in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. It's the coolest game that I've played in a long time. And like a lot of people, I grew up thinking about making moves around the NBA as like a general manager or something like that. And really, as it turns out, it isn't that easy to do in real life. If you have the same thought, picture managing your own basketball franchise, go and download the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM app right now. You're responsible for making the right hires for your franchise, trading players, and dealing with personalities, making draft picks, etc. And this all happens in a realistic game world. It's also playable offline. That's a lot of fun. And it's completely free as well. You can play on the go wherever you want to, as much as you want to. And we're already having fun behind the scenes with all the lots on podcast hosts. We have been talking trash to each other in the right way. And honestly, it's an awesome way to connect with friends. We have to be diehard basketball fans just like you are. And because you're listening to this podcast, you also get 100% free boost to the franchise when you, when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. Download the game right now by visiting probasketballgm.com or scanning the code or looking it up in the app store. That is probasketballgm.com. When you get there, use that promo code Locked On. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. Today's show is brought to you by Ibotta. We all have to shop for groceries and other items that we actually need, but since you were already doing it, why not get some cash back for it with Ibotta? With Ibotta, you are earning cash back on every single shopping trip that you're doing and also getting cash back on hundreds of grocery items along the way. Your liquor loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get the cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year in real cash back. It covers a wide range of things that we get very helpful for you, especially with a lot of things being more expensive right now than they were a year or two ago. You can earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more, depending on how, how you actually actually use the service. Ibotta gives you real cash back as well. It's not points. Other apps give you points that you actually don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you actually get real cash back back to your account or PayPal or with gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, and that includes Lowe's and Macy's and Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just by trying the service by using the promo code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the promo code LOCKED. That is I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use that promo code locked all right we'll dive in now to how this game unfolded for atlanta and bogdanovich got the start in place of Dejounte murray no surprise there that was my guess all along and kind of allowed them to play bogey more minutes he played 35 minutes in this game that's kind of the number that i was targeting for bogdanovich coming in he can't really play much more than that but in order to get him to that number he had to start and by the way he was plus 11 in the game that's not a huge coincidence because he was badly needed in terms of their playmaking and shooting alongside trey in this one trey got going early on he had nine of the first 13 points for the hawks Offensively, they were pretty crisp in the early going. Defensively, much less so. Jalen Brown made his first five shots. They were getting a lot of downhill drives on the perimeter. Rotationally, it was kind of what I thought on some level, other than they did not actually try A.J. Griffin in this game. They played eight guys for the vast majority of the game. The only time that they went to nine, and it was Aaron Holiday, 
was when Trey Young sat for the first four minutes of the second quarter. And that was Trey Young's only break. They played Aaron only as long as Trey was out. And that was it. So no AJ, no Garrison Matthews, none of the deeper stuff that we thought could conceivably happen in this game. It was the core eight guys, a little bit of a sprinkling of Aaron Holiday, and that was it. Um, the Hawks were hoisting early on. They took nine threes in about eight minutes, made four of them. They actually drove it up for a Kongwu out of a timeout, which Quinn seems to love to do. This is the first time, though, that it was actually not a corner three. It was the top of the key three for uh, for Kongwu, actually, who actually made it. It was nice to see him to take that shot and make it and be drawn up on that way. The Hawks were up at the end of the first quarter. They scored 30 points on 24 possessions. They were good from three-point range, made six of those in the early going, took care of the ball. And uh, although I thought transition defense was definitely a glaring problem in the first quarter, I said it once before, but Aaron Holiday played for four minutes. They did make sure to have Bogey on the floor with Aaron in general, and this probably won't matter moving forward with Murray back, but I think that having the ball in Aaron Holiday's hands is not a good idea. I don't mind him playing, but he should be basically treated as a very small wing. And uh, once he stopped handling the ball, it was better. He had a turnover early on. Um, he can shoot, which is very helpful. But anyway, probably doesn't matter too much because I don't, with Murray back, I can't see uh, Aaron playing much the rest of the series. Um, trade that sat for four minutes and the Hawks were only minus two in those minutes. And that ended up being very, very big because things could have got out of control. Like I was worried about that time. I thought they were going to push Trey's minutes the entire way. And they did, but to get out of that little four point, sorry, four minute period, with only minus two was, I think a positive sign. Um, but there was still a big run coming from Boston, a 27 to nine push by Celtics. It was their biggest run of the entire game mid quarter in the second. They went from the Hawks up by five, the Hawks down by 13. They stopped making threes. The shot selection kind of slipped. They had a bunch of defensive mistakes and breakdowns, a couple of different turnovers, led to transition plays. Um, just some really rough stuff along the way there. Um, kind of an all-court, all both sides of the floor hiccup for Atlanta. And uh, Boston is really good. I, mean, I said it during the game even. Like a lot of the issues, if you want to say, in the series come down to the fact that Boston is very good. They're loaded. They're healthy. They're deep. They have a lot of two-way players. Like, there's no margin for error against Boston. It doesn't mean they're perfect because they're not. And they, but we saw that in this game. But like a lot of the stuff that's like frustrating, I'm sure, for Hawks fans is because Boston just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. They're very good. Um, anyway, Hawks down by eight at the halftime break. They ended up actually being pretty resilient after the mid-quarter mess to get into the halftime break, only down by eight points. But they did allow 39 points on 67% shooting to Boston in the second quarter. A lot of that was really easy stuff as well. And they had a 135 defensive rating in the first half. A stat from ESPN, by the way. Celtics were actually the fourth team in the last 25 seasons to be a plus 20 in fast break point margin in the first half of a playoff game. So it was 20 to nothing fast break points at halftime. Wild stuff. Anyway, the Hawks were down basically, you know, the entire third quarter in that kind of same range. It went from like six to 11, six to 12, the entire way. The Hawks shipped away a little bit. Both teams had 16 points in the first eight minutes. There was a nice lob dunk from Trey Collins in transition, but that was kind of it. Boston won a uh, challenge that uh, got an extra possession that led to an easy bucket there. Jalen wide up a three of possession, but it was basically like a dead even core, kind of ugly. The Hawks lost by, lost by two points. It was kind of a rock fight, but not in a bad way for Atlanta, especially in retrospect, like being able to hang on there and Boston going two of 11 from three was very helpful. Boston did have three offensive rebounds that swung things a little bit, but the Hawks were getting what they needed from three point range the entire way. And that was very helpful as well. Um, notably, Trey played the whole third quarter, and then at the fourth, I thought he was going to come out, and he never did. Quinn was asked after game about that and basically said, look, the plan was to have him play the whole first and the whole third, and they kind of reevaluated it. And he was pretty open about the rotations in this game, like the fact that you know Trey just was able to do it. They have There's long timeouts in the playoffs. He played the whole second half. He was awesome. 
Uh, he had a little bit of a uh, like a knee bang thing situation in the, early in the fourth quarter. It didn't bother him that much, it seemed. But like Quinn was open enough to say, like at one point, Boston, if, if Boston went small, he told Collins he's going to go back to Sidney Bay, but Boston stayed big. And it's like that kind of margins. Like he was very um, effusive in praising his team, but also just saying, like, look, a lot of this is matchup driven. So like the the stuff that I'm going to focus on as an analyst on the outside about who plays when, and it's kind of similar to them. And the fact that like, it's all about matchups and timing and who's playing well and riding guys. And like in the, in the fourth quarter of this game, it was a Kongwood center. And that was totally fine with me. I think that um, at times Capella is better than a Kongwood. I think that in general, he's better than a Kongwood still. Kongwood's future is very bright, but in this matchup, a Kongwood was more versatile and that was the right decision. It was one of those things where like, it's okay to have that happen. Same thing with Collins and Bay and matchups and all that stuff. There was one thing that we'll talk about later on that was a little bit questionable, but I thought that uh, Saturday did a good job, generally speaking. The Hawks were down, again, 13 points in the middle of the quarter after that 7-0 run by Boston. The Hawks missed three shots in a row, and uh, that was what I wanted to at least circle because you know they got to 8 at one point, and there was another big run, but they were down 13 with six minutes to go. And from there, like you're a huge underdog. I saw something online about uh, you know how big of an underdog they were by one, one of the projection systems. I know FanDuel's live odds were up, and they were, uh, you know let's, let's just say astronomical. I don't land that point, but... There was a 7-2 run that was kind of the first salvo by Atlanta with Collins scoring five points out of seven. I think he scored seven out of nine at that point um, to trim the deficit down to six six or eight. And then it was all Trey, basically. Um, after Collins went one-on-one against Brown to score with like three and a half minutes to go, Trey was the only one that scored the rest of the game for Atlanta. He had a three and then another three, and that capped a 12-0 run by the Hawks. They made six consecutive shots. They were flying around, and they tied the game. Boston did take the lead a couple of couple different times after that. Trey did miss one step back three. He was definitely feeling it at that point in time. But one big play that I kind of forgot about until I did the rewatch was that Trey drew a foul about a minute 40 to go, and Tatum got a technical foul for swatting at the ball. And to have that, number one, call on him at home is kind of surprising for a superstar, and that was a big point. Obviously, you know, the Hawks won this game by two, but, you know, that's what Trey taking a three at the very, very end to win it. That's an important point that the, that the Boston gave away to Trey in that instance. And that was their first lead, by the way, of the whole second half. But Trey made, went to the line, made all three. A um, couple different turnovers. Trey missed one more three. It kind of, honestly, I will credit the Hawks' defense. They got a couple stops in a big way. One on Brown on a turnover. One where Br- uh, Brown missed again. And then Robert Williams missed a point-blank tip-in that was very helpful for the Hawks. Then Trey actually had a wedgie uh, where he, got, he had this lob that got – lodged between the rim and the backboard ends up with a jump ball with 30 seconds to go and Boston wins it and gets a dunk that was actually brutal honestly and I'm glad the Hawks won this game for a lot of reasons but one of those things is like that would have been a brutal way to lose it but then Trey gets fouled at midcourt by Marcus Smart um wisely draws it gets to the gets to the line makes it again and they go up by one points uh sorry one point Boston by the way had four points in more than five full minutes with five turnovers in the fourth quarter they were uh not able to score at a high level down the stretch and then with the timeout, Trey got called for a block against Derek White. And look, I that was a close-ish call. Quinn challenged it. And by the way, there was no reason not to challenge it. They had two timeouts left. Um, I thought they were going to lose it, and they did. Not a big deal, necessarily. I did have a question about why they had Trey and Sadiq Bey on the floor on a defense level possession uh, up, by, up by one. But as many have pointed out, and I would certainly acknowledge this, there are not a lot of great options. They basically chose to sit bogey. That was the one choice. Like, would you rather have bogey, Bay, Trey, and they chose to take Bogey off the floor, which is okay with me. Now, it's kind of an indictment of the Hawks roster that they had nobody else to put in there. And you know, maybe they could, they could have gone to Jalen, but Jalen, they kind of don't trust to execute all the time. He's obviously a better defender than Sadiq Bey and the Trey, but he's a young guy, he hadn't played in a while. 
Aaron Holiday was the other option. He's obviously very small. He hadn't played in a long time. So I don't think it's crazy. I saw a lot of reactions and like, why is Trey off? Like, like I, have the same, I have the same reaction, just to be very candid. But when you think about it for a second, like guys don't generally want to have someone go in ice cold. Like, yeah, they could have used like a Capella Congo lineup. They could have done that. But that's not practical probably in that, in that situation. They could have gone to a defense-only guy, but they don't really have a lot of like those guys on this roster. So I get it. Um, but I also think that it's not totally egregious, especially because teams like to have their best player on the floor. Like if you get a stop there, for instance, and somebody gets fouled, you want it to be Trey. So that's one example too. Anyway, I would have probably taken Trey off the floor. I get why they didn't and not a huge deal there. Um, anyway, they foul White. He makes both free throws. The Hawks are down by one. Timeout to advance the ball. And then Bay throws it to Trey in the backcourt. And it's one-on-one against Jalen Brown. He, took, he, took, he takes a step back three and he buries it from 30 feet away. Not always the best shot. You know, the math would tell you that down by one, you probably don't want a 30-footer necessarily. But Trey, being the star that he is, knew what he wanted to do, got to the shot that he wanted, and it's just a superstar shot. And I'm not sure why Boston was so passive with it. Like, they did run, if you watch the playback, Smart runs a double team in him, but very late to the point where, like, basically he's only there if Trey decides to try to drive on Brown. But with his size, like, I think Brown could have been crowding him a little bit more probably, but Trey did a good job separating and just buries it. And the Hawks, by the way, hit six threes in the fourth quarter, including three from Trey. It wasn't over. I will say that. So it goes in with 1.8 seconds to go, and Boston has a timeout. So they advance the ball. Hawks only up by two. Like, it's plenty of time. But on the initial inbounds, Collins sneakily deflects the pass that was going to Al Horford. That that actually wasted a second – actually, 1.3 seconds. That was a huge play that no one really paid attention to for obvious reasons. But that was big because then Boston had to really hurry it and Tatum got the ball and like had to kind of like jack one up with no room. So that was a sneaky, important play by Collins to just kind of tap the ball and have it be in bounds. And at the end of all that craziness, the Hawks emerged with a victory, and it was a, it was an absolute wow. When I have, I have more of the player stuff in a second, but one additional stat, courtesy of my friend Matt Moore of the Action Network, and he he has this. It's over the last twenty years, teams leading three one in a series as the favorites. So basically, the the home team playing game five. At home again, at home up three one, was fifty four and four. When leading after three quarters, so basically you know the higher seeded team playing at home game five, fifty four and four leading after three quarters. Beyond that, same situation. That team is third was I should say was thirty and zero, higher seeded team playing at home up double digits after three quarters as Boston was thirty and zero, and now they're thirty and one because Boston lost as a double digit. Uh, with a double-digit lead, I should say, as a 13.5-point favorite at home, higher seed, all that stuff. And uh, it was a lot of Trey Young on the stretch. Again, one more time, Trey was ridiculous. It was not only Trey. They got a lot of stops. I will credit the Hawks now. Defensively in the fourth quarter, they were much better. Boston helped them out in some ways, but they got four or five stops in a, in a sequence that were very important as their run was happening. When the Hawks made their big push, you can't just do that just scoring. You have to get, you have to get stops along the way, and the, and the Hawks finally did it. And Trey just made shot after shot after shot. And that was the end of that. All right. We'll get into the individual player breakdown stuff in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you've ever been trying to find tickets to a big event at the last minute, it can be really stressful. Probably not the best idea either for your emotions or even your wallets. After all, buying tickets can be kind of a hassle. It really shouldn't be, though. With Game Time, you have the ability to have the fastest, easiest way to buy tickets for sports and music and comedy and theater. And with killer deals and last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee also with Game Time, you can avoid stress and actually getting hyped for the fun that you actually have at the event itself. Spring is here. There are plenty of events around me in Atlanta. I'm sure there are tons of events around you as well, wherever you may be. And with Game Time, you can get flashes 
there's lots of my tickets and it's also so easy to use and find and buy the tickets for any kind of event you're looking for. You can see the images of where your tickets are actually going to be in the seats and they have protection if your event happens to get canceled. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time get, has deals on tickets right up to the actual day of the event. And with a Game Time guarantee, you get a, the best price possible. If you find tickets in the same section in the same row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets just a matter of seconds. Plus, the tickets will actually be sent directly to your phone to make things very easy and convenient for you. Double the Game Time app right now. Create an account and use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off on your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. And redeem the promo code locked on MBA for twenty dollars off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week, and that means it's brought to you by the all new all electric twenty twenty three Nissan Aria. And this week's choice is a pretty obvious one for the Atlanta Hawks, and that is Trey Young. Trey Young was fantastic on Tuesday, and the Nissan Aria is also fantastic. It's brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, and slightly powerful. It brings an impressive combination of traits to the table. It's a perfect crossover, and with Trey's performance tonight, it's very clear why he is the choice here. 38 points and 13 assists on Tuesday up in Boston. He played 44 minutes, including the entire second half, scored the, the final 14 points of the game for the Hawks, and made the biggest shots of the game over uh, Jalen Brown at the very, very end, and the Hawks won the fourth quarter by a lot of points. They overcome this incredible deficit, and while he was not alone, Trey was obviously the centerpiece of everything for Atlanta in this spot. He's on Aria Pax Power that will pin you to your seat and also has premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria is the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Okay, we'll close the show now talking about the individual player evaluations. In this contest, nine guys played for Atlanta. Again, Aaron Holiday played four minutes, so not too much to say there. He was not great on offense defensively. He did provide some on-ball stuff, and I think that Aaron did his job for the most part in this game, but not a whole lot to say there. Jalen Johnson was the eighth man, clearly. 14 minutes for Jalen. Three points, three rounds, two assists, one of five from the floor, one of four from three. It was a similar problem that it has been the whole series. Jalen was just not being guarded. He, he made a three early in the first half, and then he missed, I think, his next three or four. Um, it is what it is. Like Jalen is a very talented player. But Boston, I think, has done the right thing in the series to not guard him very much. And then defensively, he makes some flash plays, but he's a little bit overextended in this series against a quality opponent in a playoff atmosphere. The future is very bright for Jalen Johnson. Um, I think it's right to keep playing him, but uh, minimizing him is probably the right move, too. And they, they went ahead and did that in this game. Sadiq Bey made shots in the first half, importantly. He ended up with 12 points. I think they were all in the first half. Um, he was not very good after halftime, and I think defensively it was kind of a mess for the majority of the night, as it has been a lot for Sadiq. He was minus 11 in his minutes. I don't think he played very well, honestly, but he did make some important shots in the first half. Akongu closed the game, played 27 minutes, was very good late. Nine points, three three assists, I should say, four rebounds, had a steal and a block, four six and four, and made that made that top of the key three pointer. Um, not a huge like highlight game for Akongu, but just was very very solid defensively, executed well. Had some fouls early on that were kind of trademark for him, but settled in and was a very key piece because Capella was not playing all that well. It was kind of a tough series for him in general. So Kongu playing the way he did late was very, very important. To the starters, again, it was Capella. 21, 21 minutes, 4.7 rebounds, had a block shot. It's uh, they, they effectively spaced him out, and I think Clint was, he'll have better nights for sure. He was not horrible, but it was not his best. I think he would probably acknowledge that after the game and all that stuff, but I thought he was okay, and it was also the right, right move to go with the Kongu late in the game. Uh, Hunter, I don't know, kind of a, a mixed bag game. 13 points, four rebounds for DeAndre, 5-11 from the floor, 3-5 from three. So he made some threes. I thought he was much better defensively in the fourth. Um, the first three quarters, his on-ball work was really not very good. He got blown by a lot, by a lot of different players. 
Jalen Brown's tough to cover, as is Jason Tatum. But like when Brogdon and Derek White are just zooming by your number one, your number one perimeter defender, it's not great. I think his support stuff was very good in this game. He rebounded a little bit. Um, 42 minutes. I'm sure he had a concerns manager along the way somewhere. He was plus seven in his minutes, and uh, he played a lot of minutes. Like I think coming into the night, I was very confident that Trey and and Hunter were, were going to play a ton, and they did. Uh, both of them did. 42 minutes for Hunter. I thought he was better late, but uh, not his best performance necessarily. Uh, Bogdanovich was big, 18 points, six rebounds, five assists for Bogey, had two blocks and a steal, hit three threes. Uh, I will say defensively, he was not very good. Even with the blocks and steals, uh, I don't think, uh, if you watch the tape back, Bogey was pretty bad defensively. But without DeJounte, he is so invaluable. And I I made the point with Wes on the show, as did he yesterday, like they kind of needed Bogey to be good Bogey in this game. And he was. Um, He wasn't like super duper high volume Bogey, but 18 points on 10 shots is awesome, basically. Five assists, um, plus 11, game best by anybody on the floor, and 35 minutes. I mean, and they had just to have another guy out there that can create their own shot and create for others. His passing was very valuable in this game, and I thought Bogey was huge. Um, then John Collins had a nice bounce-back game here. It was good to see John play well. 22 points for him, 9 of 18 from the floor, 4 of 9 from 3. And, you know, Boston's leaving him open, and, and they should. I mean, as much as I am certainly accurately painted as a guy who thinks Collins is better than some people do, I think Collins has been uh, overly maligned this season. His shooting has been a problem this year. It's been very clear. I thought it was better in the second half of the season. He made a lot more shots. I think it was 38% post-All-Star break. But in the playoffs, they're not guarding him very much. And to his credit in this game, there was a spot in the first quarter, I believe it was, when he should have taken a shot, and he didn't. And he pump-faked it. And it ended up in a bad possession. And I'm very confident that Snyder and everybody else said, you've got to shoot that. And the next time down, literally the next possession, catch and shoot three, no hesitation, buried it. And that was big because that gave him some comments, I think. And four of nine is like not incredible. I mean, it's, it's obviously very solid. But nine attempts. He wasn't shy about doing that. And I think he actually got the chance to run some more pick and roll in this game. Um, this has been a, this is probably more of a topic for later on. But we talked about this a lot early in the season, and even in the offseason. Like, I think that having Murray um, changed things for John Collins and not necessarily in the best way on offense. I think John's role is a topic of conversation for a lot of people on the roster on offense, but having a guy like Murray versus what they had previously with, with floor spacers made it even more so that Collins became this very narrow band of spot up shooter, which is not his best attribute. So without Murray, he, he they just had him do more in this game. There were more of those like in between possessions where he had, he had, he got, he had guys in the post and mismatches and, him taking 18 shots is important, and it worked out very well. He was efficient. He was effective. And I thought, you know, late, he was the only one other than Trey. I think Okongwe had one one uh, layup or dunk. But other than Trey, he was the only one that scored in the, in the final, like, eight minutes. So, Collins was really good in this game. Uh, good to see that all the way around. He's got to make shots again in game six. It's not going to stop being a problem. Boston's not going to change their defensive approach. They're not going to guard him as much still in game six. But uh, he made shots here, and that was good to see in a one-game sample size. And then I said a lot about Trey, but just one more time, 38 points, 13 assists for Trey, two steals. He was competitive defensively. I don't think he was fantastic, but he was not their weakest link defensively. I think there's some always some national narratives about the Hawks' perimeter defense. And look, I'm the first to say, and I have been all year long, dating back to the summer, the Hawks' perimeter defense is not good. But when you say that, and when it's true, people, I think, inaccurately attribute that just to Trey. And that's just not the case. You know, Trey is not a positive defender. He's never going to be. But I thought he competed defensively. If you watch the tape in this game, he had some moments where he was bad. There's no question about that. But he wasn't even their worst. In my mind, he was not their worst permanent defender in this one. So obviously the offense, he was not the most efficient in the world. He was 9 of 20 
on two point attempts. That's a lot of twos, man. But five thirteen from three. 38 points on 33 shots. It's not like incredibly efficient, but he had to carry that massive workload without DeJounte. He knew it. Quinn knew it. You know, I think that it was just one of those nights for Trey Young. And obviously the, the heroics at the end of the game will be remembered more than anything else, but Trey did a very good job in this one and uh, a star performance in the clearest sense of that phrase. All right. From here, game six is now officially on the agenda Thursday evening back in Atlanta. I still have not seen, I don't believe, a tip-off time as of this recording. Um, we're all waiting, essentially, um, for whether or not it will be at 7 or 7.30 um, because of the fact that there are other games happening tonight. Essentially, if there are three games uh, on Thursday, the Hawks will play 7.30. If there are two games only, um, it would be 7. So there's lots of like scenarios. Denver just closed out Minnesota as I'm recording this podcast. So it looks like a, t- like a two-game night. I'm going to guess, as I look at this now, um, one of the uh, sort of scenarios – I guess it could also be 8.30. Yeah, so there's all kinds of scenarios in play. I'll just say this. I'm recording this podcast before we know what time the game is on Thursday, but it's between 7 and 8.30. So write that down. There was some controversy about, about a Janet Jackson concert. That's been moved. The Hawks will be playing at Safe Farm Arena on Thursday evening, time TBD. So follow the follow the uh, social media channels. I'm sure it'll be announced in short order. But uh, you know I, they already have a lineup. This uh, at FanDuel, the Hawks are six-point underdogs in the game on Thursday. In comparison... It was 13 and a half tonight without DeJounte. Now they have DeJounte back and they're playing at home. That's more. That's much more similar to how it was in game three and game four. So I think a lot of people are, are going to pick Boston. I understand that. But clearly the Hawks have a pretty decent chance to win at home. Game seven, a lot tougher, obviously, on the road if they were to get there. But uh, yeah, a puncher's chance is all I can ask for. Down 3-1 in the series and winning this game. DeJounte's fired up. He's, on, he's, he's been on social media all night long tonight. Everybody's going to be excited. I'm sure it'll be a great crowd on Thursday. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, a lot of the analysis is going to be staying the same. Barring injury that, I don't, that I'm unaware of, it's back to full rosters for both teams. DeJounte locked in. And uh, I don't have too much to add as far as like, preview content is concerned. I am uh, hopefully, barring huge news, not, not going to have a podcast between those two games. I have some commitments on Wednesday. If some massive new, news breaks, I'll be able to find a way to record a brief show. But um, in the meantime, I'll be uh, breaking down that game Thursday from the arena, hopefully. And uh, then we then I'll have a show after that. So, yeah, plenty to get to. But circle that one Thursday. Quick turnaround. We see that have to fly back now. Um, Wednesday will be an interesting kind of prep day, and then Thursday night. So about you know forty, I don't know forty four hours from now, something like that. As, as I'm recording this podcast, will be the next game on the agenda. And the Hawks have another do do not scenario. Snyder said after the game, he was very clear about this. They can't let down. They were up for this game. He said it was a different team than it was in game four. I would agree. But they have to have that exact same energy again. And I think maybe there's a little bit of, of galvanization when you know that you're shorthanded and maybe guys come together and play a little bit harder just intuitively. And they can't not do that again just because DeJounte's back in game six. So we'll have full coverage of that game. I'll have some written stuff on my, on my Patreon as well, patreon.com slash btroland. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And please, if you are a new listener, please consider subscribing to the podcast across your podcast platforms, anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on Google Play, Odyssey app, all those places online, Overcast. Also on the video side, we're, we're on YouTube, likes and subscriptions and all that fun stuff. They're appreciated as well. Ratings and reviews, all that. And just tell a friend. I really do appreciate everybody listening to the podcast, but please help us to spread the word. It's a big time for the podcast for obvious reasons. Try to grow the show. And just as a preview, as soon as this series ends or when the season ends, whenever it's going to be, we don't stop recording the podcast. Draft stuff, free agency stuff, team building, 
roster, all that. It never stops. So please consider subscribing to the podcast right now. I do appreciate that. Check out the entire Lots of Podcast Network as well. All right, that's it for me on this podcast. Please stay tuned. We'll be back again after the game on Thursday. And uh, yeah, really, if you're a Hawks fan, I would say enjoy this one. It was a lot of fun. And we'll have uh, more on this feed in the coming days.